chasing passion I think is about having something in your mind that you've always wanted to do and going for it in that um hell for leather kind of way it's about um going for it and not letting anything get in your way welcome to the chasing passion podcast my name is Dom and I'm your host each week I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin Hello there fellow human and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is my goal to interview people from many walks of life who are following their passion, their inner bliss and make a living out of it. My goal is to find out why they started, what they struggle with, what challenges they had to overcome and what has helped them become successful in their chosen fields and just generally understanding the process of taking the leap towards their passion. In this day and age, you can pretty much make a career out of whatever you want and this podcast acts as a tool to identify your own passion in life. This week's guest is Rena Sinnott, who's a primary teacher and a mindfulness coach based in Wexford, Ireland. She helps her clients by developing positive mental strategies, enabling her clients to become the best version of themselves. She runs weekly mindfulness classes, coaching sessions and much, much more. In this episode, we talk about living in the present moment, what manifestation really is, is stress necessary in everyday lives, the book that transformed your thinking, and much, much more. You can find out more by visiting the website www.mindbyrenacoaching.com or by following her on Instagram, which is just mindbyrenacoaching, or Twitter, which is just mindbyrena. Just before we begin, do you mind leaving a short view on Apple Podcast? This will really help me out and I would really appreciate it. It's honestly the best way to support the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, do still leave a review or a rating, but do it in a constructive manner so, it can, so I can improve it based on the feedback you provided. As always, I'm happy to know what people think about the podcast, so if you have any feedback or anything at all that I should know about, do reach out to me through social media. Show notes for this episode can be found on chasingpassionpodcast.com forward slash 58. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Rena. Rena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So I guess the first question I want to ask you is, can you just kind of provide some context behind what you've done in the past, who you are, what you do, and just to provide some context to the listeners about your background. So I guess if you were at a party and somebody asked you, oh, what do you do? What would you answer to that question? Okay, so I suppose my main job for the last um, six, five, six years has been primary teaching. So I am a primary school teacher. Um, I've worked in several different schools like and I mean several different schools like a lot of different schools and I've kind of um, worked on myself as well so um, in the last few years I suppose uh, to build context would be that I have been working on myself because I've had a lot of anxiety and like work worked on myself through that because with teaching comes a lot of anxiety and comes a lot of work with um children who have anxiety and um I I suppose my interest in working with um mental health working with um mindfulness has really come out of that so I'm at the moment um a trained 
mindfulness coach and I'm also training to be a life coach so that's that's where I'm at at the moment it's um that's the context I suppose yeah that's that's great and you know what actually got you interested in primary teaching in the first place Mm, so I I suppose it kind of ran in the family a little bit I have a few teachers in the family but right Really, my interest was that I started off with gymnastics and um, I did gymnastics for like, I don't know, 12 to 14 years kind of. And um, I was I was always coaching the little ones and bringing up the children in in gymnastics and stuff. So I was interested in working with children. And then when I when I kind of cut to the leaving cert and getting to the end of school I was like oh what will I do I have no like you know particular interest in anything and then I was like but I do like working with children so I think I'll just um you know go into primary teaching and see how that goes and it turned out really well Mm. (laughs) but um yeah it was um it was more of a um it was an interest but it wasn't like my main passion at the time I suppose like I was working with children and I loved working with children that's the main thing I'm interested in but um it wasn't like oh I always wanted to be a primary school teacher so Mm. kind of came to me in my last couple of years of school that I was maybe going to go for that Mm. and you mentioned you were doing gymnastics for like 12 years right and is it true that you won a competition even though despite having a broken ankle what was it? What, yeah. What's it? What's the context behind that story? Um, I was competing in Switzerland in um European wow. competition. Wow! Uh, so I did um acro gymnastics, which means that I'd be working with a pair or a trio. Mm. And um, so I was working in a pair at the time, and I was competing in the competition. I did some sort of backflip thing, fell on my ankle. <laughs> landed it and um, pretended like nothing else had happened finished the routine and then won first place wow <laughs> so, and that was like european championship yeah well it was kind of like a friendly competition at the time so it was wow. it, it was a huge deal because i was like i've never done like a big competition like this before um but i used to get so anxious whenever i was practicing gymnastics it was whenever I had a competition or anything like that I used to get so so scared I used to be like shaking like physically sick like awful and then just go onto the floor and perform like it was nothing (laughs) so it was really like um I had this kind of competitive complex where I had to (laughs) I had to win so I had to be the best at it so that's kind of where my perfectionistic tendencies started, started to come in a little bit Wow, so like even though you're kind of feeling anxious or stressed at the time, you were like, I need to shut that off. And then when when it was like game time, when you needed to perform, you kind of just performed optimally, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it was weird. Um, And I don't don't even know what kind of phenomenon that was. But Mm. for me, it was like do or die. Like (laughs) you have to do this. And um, I remember limping off the floor after that and just getting onto the floor, bursting into tears. And then they were like, oh, you did really well. And I was like, oh, that's the main thing. And that cheered me up, you know, (laughs) even though I had a broken ankle. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) 
And like, what what were you like as a kid in general? Like, um, were you always this competitive? I guess, or yeah, what were you like as a kid? Yeah, as a kid, I suppose I was very, yeah, I was competitive and I wanted to be the best in a lot of things. So Mm. um, I found like even in school, like I'd always want to be the best at writing or the best at Irish or the best at whatever we were doing at the time. And um, I really pushed myself to be really good at everything. So I had definitely perfectionistic tendencies. I wanted to kind of be perfect in every single way. So but um, I suppose as a child, I was always very sensitive, very quiet um, shy. Um, so it was like that was my way of kind of, you know, um, making a mark on things was like being the best at something was like really, really good for me to do. And um, I suppose I started gymnastics when I was five years old and I remember being the first person in the club to get a backflip <laughs> wow okay <laughs> like, it was funny now because we didn't have any equipment at the time we were literally we had a mat on the floor and that was it like that was our gym so at the time it was it was an up-and-coming thing we weren't there wasn't really much gymnastics going on in the mm. in Oxford where I was from so um yeah so it was it was and I remember having a coach this is probably completely off topic but I remember having this coach um one time who came come over from I think Romania and Mm. he was called Dan and I remember him being so scary but he loved me (laughs) he was like Rina show them what to do show them what to do and I was like this is great I'm like Miss Perfect here like this is great but um he was terrifying (laughs) so yeah and you know what struck me there you said you said you were like always kind of you you were competitive but you're also shy you're also sensitive in a way and I could definitely relate to that because as a kid I was also very shy and I was afraid to talk to people I thought you know the world just hates me nobody wants to talk to me whatever but um and like I think what helped me step over that is just to you know do the things that I'm scared to do so I'm very curious to know like what helped you overcome all that or what helped you like you know kind of step away from that mindset I suppose it always creeps in, but like, you know, overall, like what, what kind of helps or helped you get over that? Yeah. Um, I think it took a long time for me to kind of get over that. And it's only recently that I've kind of started to, um, not be so shy and not be so sensitive. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the thing is I've kind of embraced my sensitivity in a way that's like, I'm not afraid to be sensitive anymore. It's not like a bad thing for me. For me, it's like being sensitive is nearly like a power. It's like something that you have mm. that you can um, adjust and, um, you know, you're, you're, imp- um, you're sensitive to other people's needs. You're sensitive to your own needs. You can, you know, it's a good thing, but mm. for being shy, I suppose, that kind of came with age that came with um me realizing that the world doesn't revolve around me and even if I don't um if I'm if I make a mistake or if I say something silly um it doesn't matter like so does everybody so the world doesn't revolve around me and that really helps me I think yeah yeah I absolutely love that mindset and I 100% agree that you know sensitivity is a strength because I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie The Green Mile? 
Yes. And you know, that guy is extremely sensitive, but like um yeah. like I mean it's so it's so touching. And I think I think in a way like I don't know, this might sound woo woo, but I think in a way we're all born to do something and like we're all yeah. given like a certain talents and gifts and it's our job to figure out what they are and use those talents and you know, maybe like yeah, I think I think I think like every there's no such thing as well, there is a such thing as weakness, but like strengths, like playing with your strengths, I think is extremely important. And I love the mindset, you know, where where you said it doesn't really matter because like yeah, we're just a little little thought, a little dot in, you know, this giant ball or tiny ball um spinning around in the middle of nowhere. So I think like our actions really don't mean that much and you know, I used to be the same like, you know, oh, I'm so afraid to say something because other people might think this or that about me but in the end like it doesn't really matter no exactly and you're like when you think about it you're a complete like anomaly really when you think about it there's no one else exactly like you Mm. so like you make a mistake or if you do something that's a little bit strange or different embrace that like it's not it's not something to be ashamed of that you're different in some way it's something about um embracing that difference and kind of being um you know being not afraid to be unique and be yourself so that's that's the most important thing I think I've learned over the last few years mm. yeah like with with the whole being unique like yeah it's so true like we are unique like there's only one of us and if we go out there comparing ourselves to other people who you know who are doing x and y and z whatever like it just doesn't make sense because well I guess we all we all compare ourselves at some stage or you know I, but you can you can overcome that but I think just com- comparison I think is just it doesn't make sense because you you are a different human being with different qualities with different strengths with different weaknesses and then when you go out there comparing yourself to like other people it just like it just mm, well first of all it puts you in a bad mood and then you're like oh why am I doing this yeah I don't know it's yeah yeah that's it and I think like comparison is the what does they say comparison is the thief of joy yes that's the one um, yeah so I think definitely that was something that I grew up with was doing comparing myself to everybody else and trying to be miss perfect and trying to be as good as them or better than them or whatever so like I never really competed with myself it was more competing with other people Mm. but I feel that comparison hasn't it didn't make my life any easier it certainly didn't so I think that it's better to kind of if you are comparing yourself to somebody right this is a trick that I've learned (laughs) um if you are comparing yourself to one person look around at 10 other people around you and think okay so am I the average of the person of the people here Mm. you know like um there could be 10 people around you you're not going to be the same as anybody else there you're also not going to be too different from anybody else there you're all just trying to get by and live life and that's the way things are and say if you're comparing yourself for example if you were comparing your weight to somebody else Mm. look around at 10 other people in the room and see or in the area and see okay so I'm comparing myself to that one person but what about the 10 other people here am I the same or different to everybody else here and it kind of helps to just ridiculize the whole thing it kind of is like ridiculous what you're doing because you can't possibly be the same as anybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that technique. So like you basically just look around 10 people and see, am I, you know, kind of the same as these 10 people around me? Yeah. Am I the average of these or the people? Average, like, yeah. 
yeah so it kind of helps to kind of say like you know you're you might be different or the same to these certain people but um you're never going to have the exact same body shape as anybody else or you're not going to have the exact same mindset as anybody else it's going to be you're going to be different in some way so mm. it's kind of about embracing that mm. yeah no i 100 percent agree and you know speaking of mindset um you know what kind of got you into this mindset um so i heard um or i learned that you know do my homework for this podcast interview that you, it all kind of sparked with the book um the untethered sold um so can you just kind of um tell us what your experience was with that book and what you learned from it yeah i suppose like i learned so much from that book in that i just realized that there wasn't there wasn't one thing you could do in this universe like you know you you have so many opportunities you can separate yourself and and do all these different things but I think the main thing is that you follow something that you're interested in you follow something that you're passionate about and you realize that you're you're a soul in a body <laughs> if that makes sense so you does. I know we're getting we're getting into like new territory now right so um let's go deeper <laughs> yeah let's go deep right so um I think it's about realizing that you've been put on this earth for something you have a purpose hmm. you have something that you can you can do you can contribute and you can um realize to do um and also your you're in control of your thoughts you can like your thoughts are not you your thoughts are separate from you you know you're the soul and the body you're watching the thoughts and that's what I like to teach my mindfulness um clients is that like you are watching the thoughts you are the watcher you're not um you're not bad because you're thinking these thoughts you're not anyway because you're thinking these thoughts these thoughts are just thoughts they just come up and that's your your brain working so um it's funny because it's like it kind of releases the shame from the thoughts that you're thinking we're getting very deep now I'm sorry (laughs) no no that's exactly where we need to go we need to keep going deeper so let's keep going so yeah I suppose like for me it's I kind of learned that um you don't have to blame yourself for what thoughts come up in in your mind you know like your mind is always going to be thinking things externally and trying to figure things out um I always explain it to my clients as a monkey mind and your client your thoughts are like your monkey running wild in the in the jungle right Mm. (laughs) sounds a bit crazy but um so your your monkey is your your thoughts like just it can't stop it can't um sit down it doesn't rest it's always looking for more things to do so I think the most important thing to remember is you don't need to stop your thoughts you just need to learn to um slow them down and to live with them and to make them um a more pleasant place to be so in in other words like you are trying to um influence your thoughts by just having a positive energy if that makes sense right and you get this positive energy when you 
no that makes sense to me it, it does make sense to me so in a way like there's a monkey mind your monkey mind is this you know all these thoughts all these anxieties stresses that are happening around the world and then then there's you the observer the the being you want to call it whatever and exactly. that being is watching that monkey mind you're oh look look at me i'm going crazy i'm i'm getting stressed out about this thing or i'm getting worried about my exams whatever um and then you kind of oh okay i'm getting stressed out and you kind of calm yourself down and then you then here you are in the present moment and then boom your mind your monkey mind goes off again starts thinking about different yeah. things and then you notice that oh no exactly. oh yeah i'm 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 drifting off let's come back let's come back woohoo and we're back and so on and so on and so on and that's like a kind of mental muscle in a way is it um, is that exactly. is that the way is that the way it works? I'm not sure now. <laughs> that's exactly it, Dom. Like that's exactly what I would explain it to my clients. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Um, so it is a mental muscle, and you have to learn how to. It's like going to the gym for your body, right? Mm. You learn to practice mindfulness for your mind, and um, in doing that, just a little bit about mindfulness actually before we kind of get on down that track. Um, mindfulness is paying attention to the present moment on purpose and without judgment. Right. Okay. So um, it's kind of like you are not stopping your thoughts, but you're just watching them and you're, you're bringing the attention back to the present moment, maybe by using the breath or by using a mantra or by using listening to sounds or different things like that. So um, you can kind of give your monkey a job to do, like listening to, the sounds in the room or like watching your breath Mm. and that's that's your your job at the moment right and that's that's mindfulness in in essence that's what it is in a nutshell yeah (laughs) right okay and you know should we should we always be living in mindfulness should we always be living in the present moment or is a certain level of stress good for us i'm just curious to know like what like okay so when we think of a you know of a human being What's kind of the optimal state for us to be in? Like, should we always be, you know, zen out, live in the present moment, appreciating everything, or should we have a little bit of stress? Like, what's the kind of ideal situation there? So I suppose I relate that back to the gymnastics again, like, and um, stress is sometimes is really good for us. And sometimes it, it brings us on to the next level mm-hmm. or like gives us motivation. So, um yeah, I don't think that you can, po- it's not possible to live in the present moment all the time, unless you're like a monk, right? So, right. and that's your job, you know, so you have to kind of think about the future and you have to think about the past. That's, there are certain parts of you as well that you have to think about. And that's going to happen whether you want to or not. So it's going to be more about whenever you, like I say to my clients, bring yourself back to a mindful moment and that's kind of like sitting having your cup of tea in the evening and just just being in that moment just like having your cup of tea drinking it feeling the cup in your hands the warmth whatever so you are just fully fully being in that moment Mm. like it's about doing that several times during the day it's not about constantly living in the present moment because it's like literally impossible (laughs) right so that's interesting so it's impossible to live always in the present moment but we should we should kind of bring our attention like mm, for the majority of the time we should be living in the present moment right or yeah so like i think that it's important to realize that yes you have to live in the present moment but you also have to think about the future and you have to think about 
what you want in the future and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting question. That's a really tough one to answer. But I think generally, um, yeah, it's about trying to live in the present moment as much as you can, like the power of now, right? So trying to bring it back to living in the present moment. But it's like, say, for example, when you are driving or when you're doing something that requires attention or requires something like that that's you're kind of you're bringing it back to the present moment in that time but um like there are times when you won't be able to live in the present moment all the time mm. that's okay. and it's about bringing yourself compassion as well that you're kind of saying to yourself that's okay I don't have to do that all the time like if something happens that you you you're thinking in the future, you're thinking in the past, bringing it back to the present and just saying, okay, that's okay. I, I wandered, but that's fine. And just trying again. Ah, okay. I understand. And, you know, when we think of, okay, so mm, uh, how, do, how would I describe this? So when, when we talk about stress and is a certain amount of stress good for you? So would, would it work like, for example, let's just say it's exams because exams are usually associated with stress let's just say mm-hmm. you're doing an exam you have like a you know you have six subjects to cover or like six different exams you're studying for whatever and instead of like being you know trying to do everything at once you know study 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 for like this subject and the other subject you could just focus completely on one subject or focus completely on on the task that you're doing so is that like in a way is that like a good thing to do you know just be completely present yeah. with whatever stress you're dealing with because then when you're present with the stress stress is going to disappear because the only problem that you have right now is just studying for that specific test right now right here and forget about the future is that a good strategy yeah. i'm not sure <laughs> i think it's a good strategy i think it is um I think the thing is when you are like having an exam and you have several different subjects to study for, obviously that's going to require some stress and it's going to require stress. But um, yeah, like you said, when you sit down with one subject and you have that just in front of you and you're just concentrating on the one thing, that is mindfulness. That is actually concentrating on one thing. So um, that's fine. And I think that then if you have other subjects that you have to do, it's about like making a plan for when you fit those into your day. So it's not like trying to do everything at once because that's, that's just stressful and hard. Mm. Um, And it's actually impossible as well. Right. You can't do everything at once. That's like not possible. So um, you have to kind of think of it in a way that's going to be beneficial for you. So like, um it's about kind of self-care as well you kind of have to be um caring about what your um what you can do in this present moment what actually can you control yeah okay and you know when we when we talk about care and we talk about you know mm, yeah how do you actually care for your mind or for your mental health and like what are some good ways to look after your mental health and make sure you don't burn out or you don't get stressed or overwhelmed or anxious. I'm sure like it's like, it's going to happen at some stage, but like, how do you reduce the amount of times that happens in your life? Yeah. Um, I suppose practicing meditation is really, really powerful for that. And it really helps. And it's funny because, um, 
that's what people were telling me to do for years like you know you should meditate it's really mm. good for you that and I always thought no I can't do that I actually am not <laughs> sit still I'm not I'm not a good meditator I wouldn't be able to do that and then I started small mm-hmm. and I was able to build it up like do like two minutes a day then build it up to five minutes 10 minutes 15 20 whatever and then you kind of build it up like that but other things that you can do would be like journaling it really helps to kind of release the um the stress that's going on in your head onto paper mm. but it's a really good practice to even do a brain dump and kind of dump everything onto the page that you need to do and it really helps to kind of clarify things in your mind um other things you could do would be exercise exercise is huge and that's like one thing that my therapists and doctors and everybody that I've ever dealt with has always said to me is that you should exercise because that really helps to not only bring you into the moment into the present moment when you have to focus on moving your body in a certain way but it also gives you those happy endorphins so you're um you're actually building in those happy hormones into your life every day right so journaling exercise what else is important to consider um, what are some I good th- tools or meditation yeah. I forgot about that one meditation as well yeah so other things that I like to do would be the stop practice so literally What's like that? yeah so um stop stands for stop take a breath observe and proceed so right. um basically what you're doing is if you're in a stressful situation or a stressful moment where your where your mind is overthinking things and you're going into stress mode, right? You just literally stop, stop everything, let everything go, stop, and then take a breath, take a deep breath and let it go. Mm. Okay. And then observe. So observe what's going on in your body, first of all, because your body is the manifestation of what's going on in your mind so often we'd be tense or um tapping or you'd be doing something with your body that is the manifestation of what's going on in your mind so start with your body start to realize what's going on in your body at the time start to relax your body and then think about what you're like what are your thoughts and then think what's the best way I can proceed right now in a mindful way so how can I proceed in a way that's going to benefit me right now? And if it's not like, for example, if you are in a situation, for example, um, with an exam, right? Mm. And you're thinking, oh, I have so much to do. I don't know what to do. Stop, take a breath, observe your body and your thoughts, and then proceed in a way that you can do one little thing right now. What's that one little thing that you can do? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, on topic of journaling, I think, like, I got into journaling maybe mm, a year, no, mm, more than a year ago. I can't remember when, but um, I think it's so useful, like you said, just dumping your thoughts onto a piece of paper. And then I think I think doing that before you go to sleep is, it's, it's super cool. Because, like, um, actually yesterday evening, I did a little bit of journaling, but I didn't fully put down all my thoughts on paper. And then I was like, did, 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 like, during, during sleep, I was just like, oh, my mind was just full busy with thoughts so i had to get up again write down what i was thinking and go back to sleep um so i think yeah i think journaling before bedtime is really useful and then you can say the same with morning i think just book 
uh i forgot what the book is named what the book is called but basically it's called morning pages so as soon as you get up and yeah. um, you write down mm, your thoughts for five on five pages and just write as much as you can just don't worry about the grammar the spelling how how neat it is just keep writing and that really helps it does definitely because I, I did that this morning now i actually got up early and i was like just writing out all my different thoughts and mm. it doesn't what comes up it actually doesn't matter because like most likely you're probably not going to read over it again but if you do yeah. then you'll get some insight from it um but even if you don't read over it again it's still fine because it's all out there on paper and it's like a sigh of relief that you have afterwards when you have it all down you're mm. like okay now i can get on with my day <laughs> yeah so it's really useful yeah it's like a therapist that always listens. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah <laughs> and you know um on the topic of mindfulness coaching and just being a life coach i'm very curious to know um like mm, so what are the kind of what's your favorite part about being a mindful coach or a mindfulness coach like what do you love about it uh what's the you know yeah i'm just curious to know in case somebody wants to become a mindfulness coach or in case somebody wants to is interested by such a career i'm curious to know like um yeah what's your favorite part about it yeah, I think it's it's um it's a really interesting thing to do because what you're doing is actually helping somebody to implement mindfulness into their daily life, mm-hmm. which actually helps them not only in the present moment, but like for their future as well. So you're really helping to kind of bring somebody back to the present um, every single time you meet them, you are meeting them in the present moment and um, bringing them back to that time. So I think my favorite thing would be just the um, variety of different things that come up in um, mindfulness coaching. So somebody might come to me and say, you know, I, I just don't have time to do it. I don't have the energy or whatever they think of. But then we, we sit down and we, we work at a plan for them to do that and to bring it into their lives and it's really about starting small so I think that when you have a bit of variety in it as well it's interesting because um the amount of people that come to me and say I don't know where to start Mm. and then different places they've all started they've all done different things and they've all tried different things for their mental health and for them for their growth and for their learning so yeah I, I do think that um, I love that part of it that it's just everyone's at a different space and different place in their lives and you can kind of bring them on from where they're at to the future and what about challenging parts um because I think with every kind of job or career out there there's always some mm, not mm, some, there's always some parts that you don't necessarily enjoy the shit sandwich in a way so I'm curious to know what's what's uh, what's the difficulties about being a mindfulness coach? Like, what are the perhaps the tedious, the boring stuff that you have to do? Just anything that comes to mind. What's what's difficult about it? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I suppose. Like for me, it's keeping on top of it. Keep like even to the to the point where I'm just like, I need to find time to do my own <laughs> meditation in my own mindfulness because I'm busy sorting everybody else's out like I'm kind of you know so that's kind of a bit a bit of a challenge but um I think as well as that like the scheduling and all of that is kind of it's oh 
(laughs) (laughs) for me that's the boring part but it doesn't matter like it's still it's part of it and it it works so it's good yeah yeah because I think it's important to talk about the you know it's important to talk about the good and see why it's good but I also think it's important to know why what's you know what's difficult about it because if somebody listening to this podcast wants to become a mindfulness coach or really wants to, you know, give it a go, I think it's important to realize that, you know, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, do, it exactly. does take a lot of work. And like you said, the scheduling part is, oh, but maybe for somebody else, it might be, oh, I love this, you know. So, yeah, it really yeah. depends on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Sorry, go on. No, no, sorry. Uh, what were you saying? <laughs> Sorry, no, I just meant like um, when you are also training to be a mindfulness coach, it's all about your personal practice. It's not like you can just sit down and learn all this stuff off and be a really good coach. You have to actually put this into practice. So I think that's a really challenging part that people struggle with is finding the time to actually sit down and work on themselves first. Yeah, I agree because I think I think you know, well, you should always work on yourself first because then if you are in a good place yourself, you can help a lot of people as a result because you know you feel you feel good yourself. So I'm curious to know what kind of routines do you follow each day? Like, or not necessarily routines, but like what are the kind of must that you must do every single day? So like, what are the daily actions that you just have to get done in order to feel? like good and satisfied for me it would be probably like sleeping exercising meditation or the classic but i'm curious about like what do you do and you know what are your kind of routines to feel yeah i suppose they're definitely those three are definitely on my list but um as well as that i suppose for me it's organizing myself and being really organized um i think being a teacher that's kind of ingrained into you that you have to be so organized um but when you're setting up your own business or when anything is happening like that it's really really important to be so organized and to be on top of your schedule so I think I sit down every morning and I work out my schedule and I work out exactly what I'm going to do for the day that's really important to me also I do my meditation in the morning and I usually do another little bit in the evening as well before I go to sleep um reading also is really important to me I find that like if I can fit in a couple of pages during the day I even feel a bit better and I feel like I've learned something so yeah that's really important to me and also um I suppose talking to people like being present with people is really important like I think with your family, friends, your partner, whatever is going on at the time, you have to be present for them and notice what's going on in their lives as well. So it can't all be about you. Like you have to kind of put yourself out there and and be a good um, sounding point for somebody else as well. So, um, yeah, I think to, to spend time with friends, family, um, partner or whatever is really important to me as well so I make sure to fit that in in my day as well mm. yeah I love the human connection aspect of it because yeah that's so so important for your health and just from my previous podcast with Danny Lennon uh, we were just discussing um, human connection and the importance of it and um, just based on like scientific research it's, it's one of the most important things we can do you know just having that sense of human connection yeah definitely and I just I find that 
that was something that I was lacking in the past and I just realized like you know I was I was living down in Cork and myself and my partner were living down there and we didn't know anybody we didn't like have kind of a solid group or um like fam- any family down there anybody that we knew so um we found that lack of human connection really tough on us and we generally like we were like we have to move out because as much as we love living in Cork they're just it's very hard to make new friends and new connections with people when you're late in life and you're working and stuff not late in life but like <laughs> later like when you're not in school you know like so I find it very tough to kind of make connections meaningful connections with people if you're not seeing them a lot <laughs> and you know primary teaching is a big part of your life and you work with children I'm curious to know how does mindfulness play in the whole primary teaching world like um yeah how how do you apply mindfulness in primary teaching and like yeah what's your overall kind of strategy there yeah I think it's so important for children to practice mindfulness as well and to know like that they have something for life that they can use it's like a tool for life um, so I generally have taught mindfulness in the classroom just by doing little meditations throughout the day or like practicing, like sitting quietly and just observing the thoughts or observing the breath or whatever. So um, you can do little practices like that during the day with the kids and it's really good for them. And I think a lot of people are afraid to maybe approach that with with children um, they're afraid that they won't get it or they don't understand but they're so so receptive to it they really really are they're so receptive to it and they understand the process especially when you explain the monkey mind idea <laughs> with <laughs> so they understand that really well so um yeah I think that mindfulness for children is so important and to be able to bring that into a child a child's life in a positive way is really powerful and it really um it gives you some sort of purpose that you're able to like teach them that tool for life that they'll have for life you know yeah I think you brought up some very good points there and I think I think mm, I think like mindfulness should be taught in schools like Mm. because it's it's really a foundation skill I think the ability to focus in general is and mindfulness and being aware and being present in the moment i think that's literally one of the most important things that we can just do for our mental health and for our health in general because if you're not if you're not feeling good if you're not in a in a happy state if you're not feeling content and just at peace i mean you can't really you can't really learn new information because like you're always in you know in your in your monkey mind and um, worrying yeah. about things so yeah i know yeah yeah, it's really important. And I, 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 that was one of the reasons that I trained as a mindfulness coach as well was because my coaching degree helped, or not degree, diploma helps to um, teach mindfulness to children as well. It's part of my, I have a start in teaching mindfulness for children as well. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. And I just found that so important because I was like, I'd love to teach mindfulness in the classroom, but I'm not really sure how to go about that. So I think learning that was really really good for me um I do wish that all teachers could learn about mindfulness to teach that in the classroom but I also think it's up to parents as well to kind of bring that into their home life as well because if you're just practicing it in school it's not going to be enough really 
like you know so it's just like everything else the more you practice the better you get at it like that mental muscle we were talking about and so yeah I do feel that um children need a lot of it especially when they're younger to kind of build it up and be able to to practice it in their daily lives as adults as well yeah absolutely and what else do you think should be taught in schools because education is someone very very passionate about and I'm very curious to know like from a perspective of a teacher and a mindfulness coach um what should be taught in schools I think yeah like obviously the curriculum is really important right so Mm -hmm. what we have in schools is important and they need to know all this stuff Mm -hmm. but I think practical skills like even being able to know where to go if you're see if you're like for mental health for example knowing where to go if you're if you're stuck on something or if something is bothering you to know that you're able to go to a therapist or to to know where to get help is so important um also for practical skills I think that even teaching things like and this is going to sound weird coming from like a mindfulness coach right but um like things like tax and things like that you know that you you kind of need to know about when you're in in secondary school like I just feel like that those kind of life skills are important to learn as well like I know that it's not compulsory and some people do teach it or do learn it in school but I just feel like it's something that should be compulsory maybe just to learn about like how to manage money and stuff like that as well but (laughs) that's totally maybe um random for like a primary teacher and mindfulness coach to say but I'm just learning about that as I'm going and I never learned any of this in school so it's for me it's important to to be able to learn those like little life skills in school as well Hmm. and like if you were to give you know if you were like to kind of um, instill three key lessons to primary school children like what would you like them to know like what what would you from your experience what do you think they should focus on primarily like not not focus on primarily but like what what do you think they should be aware of that they're probably not aware of now if that makes sense yeah, as a question. I, yeah no it does make sense definitely um I think that for children the most important thing is that they have support and that they're able to ask for help if they need it I think that's really really important for anybody not just a child but for anyone because I think we get to these to stage in adulthood where we're like too proud or too afraid to ask for help whereas if it's instilled into us as as a child that it's okay to ask for support if you need it I think that's definitely a big takeaway for children to be able to do that um another thing I think would be um that exercise is so important I do feel that we're we're getting a lot better as a school system being able to um bring more uh, exercise into the classroom and you know these 10 minute morning breaks where we like run on the spot or like practice jumping jacks or dancing or something like that is really good but I think that that needs to be something that children stick with in their life as well so I think if I could instill that into children that like exercise is so important and not in a competitive way in a way that's good for their bodies you know and their minds 
So I think that's important. And thirdly, let me think. Um, I think to even work on your self is so important. Like we we do all this work when we're in our twenties, maybe in our thirties, um, working on ourselves, like trying to bring ourselves on from where we're at at the time, and you know, um, try to instill good habits in ourselves I think if we have those as children it really makes such a difference and if we're able to say like oh I know I'm feeling bad today so I need to take care of myself like self-care needs to be taught I think how to how to manage self-care that's so important I think yeah no absolutely and the word manage triggered um a certain question in me so um when we think of emotions sometimes we get out of you know well we get out of control emotionally and we tend to kind of let these out let let these emotions out on other people and perhaps just some deeper you know within us i'm curious to know how do we control our emotions is that just a monkey mind again or how do we how do we step away you know from that and just letting it letting our emotions such as anger such as fear um and letting out on other people how do we how do we control that So I think it's about feeling the emotions like it's important to actually feel them as opposed to just numbing them because if you go to a lot of adults today and ask them about their emotions they'll probably say like oh you know I just um exercise that out of me or I I walk it off or I um use alcohol or whatever to um kind of numb the emotions maybe you're on medication But we need to be taught how to actually feel our emotions as well and to understand that it's okay to feel these emotions. They're there for a reason. They're there to teach us something. So we need to be able to be aware of, you know, if I feel anger, that means something is triggering me. I need to know what my triggers are and I need to know how to manage that emotion. And it's not about numbing it or bringing it down so that we don't feel it anymore. It's about feeling it, but then managing the way we respond to it. So I think that when we respond to anger in a way that's just triggered straight away, we just do something to to manage it or to just as a result of feeling anger, we immediately have this trigger to do something that's maybe um, um, destructive. We need to turn that into like a way that when we feel anger, we can bring ourselves back to a state that's a more rewarding state and in a way we can do that by um you know thinking of things that are like I always do this when I'm feeling um upset or angry or something like that I think of like gratitudes and what I have in my life and what what is good in my life um gratitude is so so important and so um powerful for us to be able to kind of manage our emotions as well I just think gratitude is huge yeah I agree with the thoughts on gratitude um um yeah because I think when you like like when you see yourself getting angry for for, it's usually like for no apparent reason but like when you realize oh I'm actually grateful for this in my life I'm grateful for this in life and that's like the, energy, the positive energy kind of coming into you and mm-hmm. you're like oh I actually do have a well but what what interested me was um, when you said feeding your emotions 
So, okay, I'm feeling angry. So does that mean I've, I have to like kind of recognize that I'm feeling angry within myself, like genuinely feel that feeling? Okay, and then once I feel it, what do I do then? Do I let it go? Do I journal about why I'm angry? Because like if it's if it's deep down within me, shouldn't I like shouldn't I go to the root cause of anger and try and fix that? So I'm just curious to know. So when you say feeling your emotions, like feeling anger, um, how how does that work? Like how do I get rid of anger? How do I just yeah not be angry anymore? Is that is that even possible? I suppose it's more about bringing compassion to yourself. So kind of saying like, oh, I'm really angry right now. I'm so angry. I just feel like punching a wall. Right. <laughs> right instead of that maybe you just be a bit compassionate towards yourself and it's about turning inward and kind of saying like you know what do I need right now what do Mm -hmm. I actually need in my life right now like what would make me feel better would it be punching a wall or would it be like you know um doing something more constructive Mm -hmm. like um maybe it is journaling it out maybe it is exercising maybe it is um you know just lying down and going for a nap or something to just take it easy I don't know like but you can there's plenty of things that you can do that would be more constructive than punching a wall (laughs) but um it's about feeling the emotion bringing yourself compassion for feeling that like it's okay it's a human emotion it's allowed to happen you know it's not it's not like I think often when we feel emotions we start to feel a resistance to those emotions we start to feel it in our bodies so it's using that stop practice again that I was talking about Mm. and um really observing what's going on in the body so often we feel like the emotion like anger would be like tension uh, curled fists like you know brow your brow would be furled and everything like that but Mm. if it's about letting that go we can let it go by just relaxing the body Mm. and then take deep breaths and proceeding in a more manageable way right okay um and then when it comes to manifesting this is a slightly different topic altogether <laughs> but i know you are interested in manifesting and so am i and i used to think it's all woo-woo stuff though you know law of attraction yeah, so did I. Um, it's all like ah doesn't work but the, the way the way i came to think about mm, manifesting is that like basically you manifest things into your life whether you believe it or not it just happens it's all just energy now this is this is woo stuff i'm still very I, I need to learn about this um but basically like from my understanding it's just like energy like just positive energy negative energy and if you think about what you want or mm, yeah feel what you want i guess um like you're gonna recognize opportunities come up in your life so for example if you think of a red car um you're still gonna see the color or the red car everywhere you go or like think of a certain model mm-hmm. whatever so i'm just curious to know like what actually is manifesting because i just mumbled on there for whatever my thoughts are manifesting <laughs> and i have no idea what i'm talking about but what actually is manifesting and how do you how do you do it okay so i'm not an expert on this in any way um i just do what i can to kind of bring that into my life and i'm learning more about it as well i'm actually um working on it with um a girl from Wexford who's uh like she does all spiritual practices and things like that um so I'm kind of learning about it from her but um yeah basically we can manifest what we really desire into our lives and we can do that by um visualizing it 
feeling it, like you said, and um, then taking inspired action. So it's mm-hmm. kind of about, like you said, with the red car thing, um, if you if you think of a red car, you're going to see it everywhere you go, right? But mm. it's like, if you think of these opportunities, they're going to come up more and more for you. So you have to take inspired action on those opportunities. And um, for one thing that I think is important is surrendering and letting go as well. That's a really huge part of it. Like once we think of, so for example, if you want, um, I don't know, like 10,000 euro in your life, right? Mm, nice. <laughs> so I'm just going back to money, okay? It's just the easiest way to do it. But say, for example, you want 10,000 euro in your life and you need it for something that like you want to do a course or you want to do something that's important to you. You have to really put in the work to visualize that and see it showing up for you and how it's going to do, how it's going to benefit you in your life and start working on those kind of things. And then you can kind of uh, put it out to the universe. Like I could do with this 10,000 euro It'd really help me with this, this, and this, and then surrender, let it go. And then opportunities will start coming up for you and the opportunities will start coming up. And you'll start to see, oh, that actually could be a way I could get that. And then you start taking inspired action on it. Does that make sense? So what what you mean by inspired action is um, you have to do the actions. Like it's not just going to happen magically. You can't just like visualize and think about it and feel it. You have to do the work, right? Is that You kind of have to put in a bit of work. Yeah, you kind of like so it's not like it's not like you work crazily on it like that's not the way it works it's about like if something comes up and it feels right for you to take that inspired action like for example if you feel that you want to um do this particular course and then it keeps showing up for you in your life Mm. keeps different areas you know that that's the right direction you have to take so it's about following that action right okay um, you know, when you when you said um, following or you see a certain course, whatever, um, is that what it's called? The reticulated act? Oh, I can't pronounce it. Anyways, there's some sort of system where um, when you like th- that was the red car example, actually. Yeah. Um, when you think of a certain, let's say you want to get into mindfulness coaching and suddenly yeah. you, you start seeing opportunities that pop up every single day for you to become a mindfulness coach. Whereas other people yeah. might notice that because they're not interested in that. But I think. Exactly. Is, that, is that what it means by, you know, um, is that manifesting in a way? I'm not sure. In a way. I Like, to be honest now, I'm just learning about this as well. I'm not yeah. too sure exactly how it works. But, like, for me, it's nearly about, like, those opportunities will show themselves the more you pay attention to it. Mm. It's kind of about paying attention to what's going on and not, like, you're you've put it out to the universe. You actually want this thing for a certain reason. You're vis- you visualized it. You, you can see it being really, really good for you. But now you've surrendered. Now you're not you're not Googling madly on what it is you want to do. You're just waiting for the science to show up. That kind of way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and going on another segue, but um, what are the kind of popular misconceptions about uh, mindfulness? Yeah, there are so many. Um, So I think the biggest one maybe would be that you have to sit still and clear your mind Mm. for um, 
however long like you might be like oh I have to do that for an hour and it's just, I just can't sit down for an hour like if you say if you think about it a lot of people don't go to mindfulness classes because they feel that they have to sit down for an hour and meditate in a certain lotus position for an hour and it just doesn't work for them so I feel that it's important to realize that like the way I teach my classes is um breaking it down and doing maybe 10 minutes here then having a chat about it having a journal about it then doing another uh, 15 minutes there and you know so it's building it up slowly but I think it's important to realize that you don't have to sit in that lotus position either the lotus position I mean when your legs are crossed and your your uh, fingers are in that position yeah um so um yeah you don't have to do that you can lie down you can sit in a chair whatever way is comfortable for you that's the way I always tell people you also um you don't have to clear your mind you don't have to like completely clear your mind because like I said that's the monkey mind is going to show up now and then it's going to just show its face here and then and we just have to deal with that right we just have to bring it give it a job to do watch the breath listen to sounds um say a mantra and that's its job and it has to focus on that and if it very if it um shies away from that and starts going on its little stressful rant again um we just gently and carefully bring it back to the breath does that make sense yeah absolutely so is you the goal is not to clear your head the, the goal is to bring awareness exactly awareness is the big thing okay and what else what else do people um often confuse about mindfulness is there anything else that comes to mind? Um, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> no, um, no, that's that. No, I think that. that I, think, you, yeah. No, I, I do think that a lot of people think like it's very woo-woo and it's very, um, like you know, you have to be a certain kind of hippie person to be to practice meditation or whatever. You don't like literally. It's like going to the gym for your body. You just have to train your mind in this way so it's like it should be accessible to everyone Mm. anyone with functioning brain should be able to meditate Mm. yeah meditation i think is just um like it's easier to identify your monkey mind like people say i don't need to meditate i don't ah it's not for me that doesn't work for me but i think i think i think when you sit down and you say that doesn't work for me that means yes it does and um, you just it, that, that's your mind like that's your mind like that 24 7 but when you're meditating yeah. you notice yourself you're like oh oh this is how i'm thinking okay i need to slow <laughs> down and think about this more so i think i think that's what meditation helps you it's kind of like a magnifying glass um on your on your brain and your monkey mind you kind of see things with a better perspective and that's actually how we function well yeah how we function in our everyday lives meditation helps us um to see that more clearly definitely and it's like nearly a laser beam focus yeah. on one like your mind could be this like can you imagine like vegas right and all the lights in vegas mm. you know you're imagining lights going that way that way that way that way in all different ways you're just taking that light and just focusing it into one thing and that's your breath or your mantra and that's just what you're doing it's like you're bringing all those lights into one laser beam focus and you know, on the topic of mantra, um, is that tr- like there's mindfulness and there's also transcendental meditation, 
and transcendental mm-hmm. meditation or tm um i never tried it actually but because it's very expensive apparently but um it is. and you need to have a mantra but what, what's so special about this tm meditation compared to mindfulness meditation so to be honest i haven't done a course in trans uh tm Transcend- yeah tm yeah let's go with tm <laughs> <laughs> either um it's not something that I've managed to do yet I would be interested in trying Mm. it but um again like you said it's quite expensive and it's a big commitment Mm. um so yeah I think that mindfulness is accessible to everyone and it's really important that you realize that um anyone like you can do it in any position you can be lying down sitting whatever um it's very flexible and you can manage it in several different ways um, whereas maybe TM would be more like, you know, very focused on the po- the positioning of your your body, your hands, your um, breath work, all of that. So it's more about focusing on different breath work and things like that as well, isn't it? So um, to get to like your goal is to kind of transcend and to get to that higher level, right? So you're kind of um, putting a lot of focus on that, whereas mindfulness is more about just calming the brain, calming the mind. Hmm. But I think, is it possible to transcend or transcend on another level with mindfulness too? Because, um, mm-hmm. like, what, like, oh, I don't know. I have very, very limited knowledge on transcendental meditation or TM. Uh, but I think like the biggest thing that pops in my head is just a mantra you have to say some some mantra so whatever it is like it might be coca-cola for example just say say a mantra over and over again and then when you say this enough times your mind your mind just stops thinking about these other thoughts and all you can think about is coca-cola well whatever your mantra is and yeah i think like is that so in a way you're trans transcending but can you not achieve this transcendental state through mindfulness too because like i think well you can say oh clearing your head but like i think i think there's some bigger within us than just our you know our brains than our body and I don't know it's all woo woo (laughs) yeah no I get you yeah no um I mean with mindfulness as well like with general meditation you can absolutely do that as well like by using a mantra or by using even your breath work or different things like that you can absolutely do that um it's more about the fact is like I think it's about the goal and the goal is to relax, right? You want to relax with um, meditation as well. And if your only goal is to just relax, (laughs) relax Mm. your mind, then that's fine. But um, if your goal is to try and, I don't know, like get to another level or whatever, um, you can do that too like there's there's kind of no limits to it it's it's whatever you um put into it is what you get out of it yeah i, I think i understand i'm not sure <laughs> um well rena i think it's a good opportunity to wrap up the podcast but just before we do i love to ask you some rapid fire questions perfect so if there was a billboard and you could display any message on that billboard so the whole world can see this billboard um what would you put up on that billboard you do you (laughs) you do you what's the best investment you ever made now this investment might be time it might be energy it might be money just in general what's the kind of yeah what what comes to mind probably therapy and coaching like uh for me to do therapy and coaching that was a huge investment for me and it made so much 
difference to me. What have been your most gifted or recommended books? Um, I'd say Atomic Habits by James Clear. That has always been a huge book that I've been recommended, as well as The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And um, let me see what else. Yeah, I think those two are the most recommended books, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when you feel overwhelmed or just unfocused, what do you do? I meditate. <laughs> um, but I also can write out a list of things that I need to do and just um, brain dump them onto paper. Mm. Dinner with three people, alive or dead, who are they? Hmm. That's a really tough one. Um, probably, I'd love to sit down with Michelle Obama. I think she's fab. Um, I think I'd love to invite, hmm. like, to be honest, it's probably just like friends and family. Is that a boring answer? <laughs> no, I think it's a great answer because it means you're... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a, it's a fantastic yeah. answer. So Michelle, Michelle Obama can come along to our family, family yeah. dinner. <laughs> Super. And in the last five years, what belief, behavior or habit has had the biggest positive influence on your life? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that... Um, being kind to yourself, being kind to yourself is really important. And it's something that I've had to work on a lot. So yeah, that's really changed my mindset as well as just being a little bit kinder to mm-hmm. myself. If you could master any three skills instantly, what would they be? Um, languages. I'd love to be able to speak loads of different languages. I'd love to be able to cook really well <laughs> these are again really boring answers but um, and I'd love to be able to um probably surf I can't surf at all I'm really bad at surfing so cooking and surfing I like it those are my favorite <laughs> <laughs> um what are you currently most curious about Hmm. I think manifesting at the moment I'm very curious about that and I know we had a conversation about it but it's something that I need to learn a lot more about to be able to talk about it more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to a college student who's about to graduate and enter the real world um, don't be afraid to make mistakes um, don't be afraid to take a path that's less traveled by I just think that nothing is ever set in stone and you don't have to go with what everybody else wants you to do you can do your own thing carve your own path Mm -hmm. and the final question for you is what is your definition of chasing passion oh um chasing passion i think is about having something in your mind that you've always wanted to do and going for it in that um hell for leather kind of way it's about um going for it and not letting anything get in your way love it well it was an absolute pleasure talking to you but just before we finish up um where can people find you where's a good place to go if they want to learn more about the work that you do what you're up to yeah where's a good place to go 
I think my Instagram is mindbyrena.coaching and then my Facebook is mindbyrena.mindfulness. <laughs> awesome. And is there any final thoughts, any anything else you want to say before we finish up? I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. It has been really interesting chat and I'm glad we had this conversation. Rena, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassionpodcast.com. Just before we finish up, would you consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcast? This will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much. You can find a link for Apple Podcast in the episode description or just search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and you'll find it right there. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a share. Tell your friends. It will be super, super helpful. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.